Welcome. You are listening to a sermon preached at Church at the Armory. If you like what you hear, share it. God bless you. All right, if you have your Bibles, you're in Jude chapter 17. I mean, verse 17, my bad. I'm going to read this whole passage of Scripture, and then we're going to break it down for you. We're going to break it down one verse, sometimes one word at a time, and we're going to get to a lesson that needs to be... um, This is a very practical sermon. Let me say it that way. A lot of times we'll preach and it'll be very ethereal, very kind of just uh, abstract. This one's very practical. You can walk away and go, I need to do this exact thing after we get done today. So I'm going to read this real quickly and then we'll go back through it. But but you, everybody say it's me, beloved, you need to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles. This came straight from the mouth of the apostles to the church. For us, okay? So you need to remember the words of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 18. They were saying to you, in the last time, in the last days. Raise your hand if you think we might be, you know, at least looking at the last. All right. We're in those, we're in the season of time where uh, this could be very much the last time. Are things normal? This world is weird. Somebody say amen. All right. This world is upside down. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, Very, very, um. Very common sense things are not common sense anymore. This world is weird. Amen. So they were saying in the last times they're becoming mockers. And uh, it's not just that some one random person stands up and mocks a person who's born again or saved. But it's a spirit that is mocking the gospel. The uh, even more than the gospel, a spirit that's mocking the very foundational things that God set into order. For instance, when he created them, he created them male and female. And the spirit that's mocking just the, 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 the very basic order of how God's established creation. That makes sense? And so it's, it's, it's mocking um, that same spirit that was there at, um, on, at the cross. Right? Jesus is being crucified. They were mocking, jeering. They were gambling over his clothes. Like they just made a spectacle of Christ. That's the same spirit that's on the earth today as we prepare for his return. It's just making a spectacle of God and Christianity and all of it. It makes sense? It's this mocking spirit that's on the earth. So in the last days, there will be mockers. If you're surprised by the fact that people will mock you and the gospel, that's on you, boo. Because the scripture tells us, expect people to get in your face. Expect people to mock. Expect people to revile. And I don't know, we go back to the beatitude, right? Blessed are you when you're persecuted and people lie about you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely, right? You should expect these things. And if we're surprised by these things, if we make a stand for righteousness, right? Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. If we make a stand for righteousness and the world comes against that and mocks that, and then you go, I can't believe it. Well, he tried to tell you over and over again. That's exactly how it's going to go, right? So we should somewhat expect it, right? There'll be mockers. They'll be following after their own ungodly lust. That's exactly. Name any sin right now prevalent in the world, and it's the idea that that an individual is following after their own uh, ungodly lust. Love of money, 
to love of whatever. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's I, I lust and I'm going to, and the, the number one goal of life is to achieve that my lusts are fulfilled. Does that make sense? That's how the world is living right now. Make sense? So there is no idea of self um, denying oneself, take up your cross and follow after God. It's the idea of whatever I want. I, it's my right to have it, and I'm going to have it no matter what. I think we need to start over because, like, nobody, like, I was in North Arkansas last week, and they did this thing where I asked them questions, and they were responded. It was kind of like courtesy, right? Like, amen. They're like, amen, pastor. And like, so in South Arkansas, I told them, you know, anyway, so amen. amen. Oh, wait, y'all are alive this morning. Okay, good. So, so the thing is, is like, uh, they're saying to you, in the last days, there'll be mockers following after ungodly lust. Verse 19, these are the ones who cause divisions. This is not only in the world, this is also in the, the body of Christ. People who mock the way. I read a report this week, 6,000 churches across America, uh, 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 Methodist churches are leaving the denomination right now as we speak. That's a division in the body of Christ. Mocking how, how God established it, right? Really, it's, the, it's a mockery of how God established it. These are the ones causing divisions. Worldly-minded. They're not spirit-minded. Jim, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. That this mind be in you that was in Christ. Now, they don't have the mind of Christ. They have the world of the mind. I'm talking about right now believers. The church. Who, who's not thinking how God thinks. They're thinking how man thinks. How the spirit of this age is thinking. That makes sense? So they're called divisions, they're worldly minded, and they're devoid of, everybody, this is important, devoid of the Spirit. This is why Paul harps on the idea, be filled with the Spirit or, or walk in the Spirit and don't fulfill the desires of the flesh, right? Uh, so if you're not walking in the Spirit, you're going, to, you're going to fulfill the desires of the flesh. So the goal is to be full of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say amen. amen. Be full of the Spirit. And not just to be full, but walk in the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is? Patience. Uh, I don't think I've heard anybody say it yet, but you probably did. I just don't have my hearing aids all the way up. Self-control. Yeah. Fruit of the Spirit, right? And it's not just the idea to have a moment of self. Y'all would be so proud of me. This guy cut me off and I had a moment of self-control. No, I walk in self-control. That's, that's the lifestyle. Because why? I'm full of the Spirit, right? That's how it is, okay? And so, now, Jude goes on to give these directives, these imperatives, if you will. He's going to tell us what to do, okay? I'm going to read through them real fast. But you, they say it's me, this is what you've got to do. Build yourself up in your holy faith. So if I say number one, build. Number one, build. Number two, pray. Pray in the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that in a second. Keep on going. Verse 21. Keep. Everybody say keep. keep. Or build, pray, keep. Keep yourself in the love of God. Just wait till I get there, Chester. Wait, wait, wait. Keep. Number four. Uh, wait anxiously. Everybody say wait. wait. Y'all liking this so far? <laughs> okay. For the mercy of of the Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Verse 22. Um, have mercy. Build, keep, wait, 
have mercy. Everybody say, have mercy. Have mercy on some who are doubting. Mercy isn't just the byproduct of, of a, a particular situation. Mercy is an imperative that you carry out. It's a directive, a, directed, a directive that you exercise. You will either have mercy on a situation or a person, or you withhold mercy. See, what we learned about God way back there in Psalms is he is, uh, he is merciful forever. Everlasting mercy, everlasting love, everlasting Have mercy on some who are doubting. Verse 23, save, it's another imperative, another directive, save others as if, I love this word, snatching. Anybody been snatched up by mom and dad before? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right, right. Your kid, uh, you know, as a kid, let's just put that, as a kid, I was doing something that my parent needed to snatch me up. All right, I was doing something that I needed snatched in. I needed a good snatching. All right, so save others, snatch them out of the fire, and on some have mercy with fear, hating. That's the last one. Hating even the garment defiled, right? Polluted by the flesh. In verse 24, now to him, Christ, who is able to keep you from stumbling and make you stand in the presence of glory and blameless with great joy. Verse 25, to the, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all, now and forever. Amen. Holy Spirit, I pray that your word would be alive in our hearts and that you would, you would give us the grace to do the word. Not just, not just mentally understand it, but to do. Do the word. For hearers of the word got to be doers of the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said. So let's run through this real quick, okay? Go back to uh, verse um, 20. You, talking to everyone in the room, talking to Chester, talking to the most mature Christian and the most immature Christian, okay? You, beloved You, the first thing you got to do, I do believe these are in order. I don't believe you can ever get to, um, so, okay. Real fast, real fast, go to verse 23. Let me just, let me just put this. I believe these in order, that you got to do this one, that leads to this one, that leads to this one, that leads to this one. You understand what I'm saying? most of us in this room, including Chester at times, we want to jump ahead to the last one, which is hating the garment polluted by sin and flesh. Y'all out there? And we carry around this particular hatred for everything that's going on in our nation, everything going on in our country, everything going on in our families, that's degrading the fabric of our society, right? We carry around this hatred for it, and it is a godly hatred. The problem isn't that we hate. The problem is that we have hatred out of order. We're starting with hatred toward the thing, and we've never submitted our hearts to build our own faith up. Amen. We've never gone through three steps of mercy to get to hatred. Y'all out there this morning, okay? And so the problem is, is I'm not saying it's wrong to hate what's going on with the polluting of the very garments of, of our society, but you, before you ever get to hatred, you got to throw three steps of mercy and a lot of uh, building your own self up and a lot of praying your own. 
a lot of submitting your own self, a lot of, uh, a lot of having the fear of God in your own heart, right? A lot of these things. And then once you've done all that, you can hate even the garment polluted. Not the person, the garment. We're going to get there. That makes sense? So here we go. Verse, back to verse 20. Beloved, build yourself up. This is first because it's very important. You can never do number two, three, four, five, six, or seven unless you do number one. You have got to be built up. We live in a day of such dysfunction and, and uh, deception that if you go out there not build up, if you go out of the armory into the world, into the battle not built up, then you're going to get hit. Amen? But it's not just come here and get built up. You've got to, in your home, you've got to get your Bible out. You've got to keep yourself built up. Prayer is not what you do on a Sunday morning and right before you eat. Prayer is a lifestyle that keeps you built up. So you've got to stay built up. People are getting taken out, knocked over, uh, knocked off the path because they're not staying built up. Amen? So you got to stay built up. And how do we build ourselves up in our most holy faith? Number two, pray in the Holy Spirit. Lots of different ways to pray in the Holy Spirit. Uh, pray in the Spirit. There's lots of different ways to pray in the Spirit. Which way do you need to pray in the Holy Spirit? Yes. All of them. I can get in the Spirit praying through a scripture verse. How many have ever taken the Bible and just started praying and you find yourself in the spirit and you realize you're not, you're not, you're not praying that scripture out of your own heart and your own spirit, but you're praying from the spirit and you're literally praying that over a situation. You know what I'm talking about? God gave you a word, a verse, a scripture. You can pray in tongues. You can pray uh, in the spirit. I just want to give you, I want to give you another verse here. I'll read it to you because I didn't give it to him. I'll read it to you. Paul said in Romans chapter 8, listen to me. Paul said in Romans chapter 8, the same way the Spirit helps us. Raise your hand if you need some help. Matter of fact, the Spirit's name is Paraclesis, the helper, the God of comfort and help. He's there to help us. The Spirit helps us when we don't know what to pray as we should. Anybody ever been there? You're hit upside the head with some, uh, um, some obstacle in life, and you don't even know which way is up, right? And you have no idea what's going on. You have no idea. I mean, you are, as the proverbial saying goes, a goose in a snowstorm. You can't tell which way is which. And you're just trying to figure out, I need help. I don't have anything in this month. You're in the middle of the, of the storm. And somebody says, well, pray. I would. But I don't even know what to pray right now. Thank you, brother. Reggie, have you been there? I don't even know what to say. I don't know. I don't have words. So you don't need words with the Spirit. The scripture goes on to say, we don't know what to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself comes and makes intercession for us with a groaning 
that's too deep for words. See, sometimes the words are just too shallow. And there's this groaning that comes from the Spirit. Out there, there's this, there's this unction is the best way I know how to say it. There's this unction that comes from the Spirit into our hearts. And it may, be, it may manifest as a cry. It may manifest as, 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 uh, as uh, just a sound. It may not manifest as a sound or cry. Maybe just, just there's not even a sound that's adequate. But there's this thing in our hearts that it's just, you know what I'm talking about? And you just, you just pray that you know you're praying something that is just way deeper than you are. And what is it? It's the Spirit came and prayed through me. When I didn't have anything to pray. And literally this is number two. On Jude's list. Of how to live in the end times. Are y'all out there? Build yourself up how? You got to get the spirit praying through you. I don't care what that looks like. I do not care what that looks like. I don't care if it's singing, praying, scripture, uh, a written out prayer of the apostles, if it's your own prayer language, if it's a groaning, if it's a cry, if it's a wail. But there's got to be some movement of the Spirit praying through you. And we all know, we all know that when we come out of that moment, we come out built up. Right? We come out of there built up. And, and, and we don't see, we walked into that prayer time seeing that situation with these eyes, but we come out of that prayer time seeing that situation with his eyes from the Spirit's perspective, right? And so once we get built up, everybody say built up. Everybody say praying in the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, once you get built up, you got to keep yourself you got to keep yourself before you wreck yourself, right? Right? Keep yourself. What's the point of doing all that work? Y'all out there? What's the point of doing all that work of building myself up, praying in the Holy Spirit, getting to this place where I finally see things rightly, getting myself built up in the faith, just to walk away and go back to what I was doing? You have to keep yourself in the love of of God. That word keep there means this. It means uh, that you've created this atmosphere and you're going to keep it unharmed and undisturbed. A few weeks ago, we went to, we went to Dallas uh, for the youth and we went to the aquarium. And back in the day, one of my many hobbies that I rotated through was a saltwater tank, a saltwater aquarium. Super cool. Right? Everybody had a saltwater aquarium? Okay. Okay, thank you, Danny. Okay. Danny knows what I'm talking about. When you get a saltwater aquarium, the first thing you have to do, if you don't buy fish, it ain't like freshwater where you go buy the whole kit and just bring it home and throw it all in the pot and then you get, you know, get a fish tank, right? It ain't like that. You buy the, you buy the tank, you, you buy this sand, you put salt, you put water in it, you put salt water in it, and then that thing's got to sit there for a month and just Build an environment. No fish, no corals, no stuff. It's got to build an environment. It's just got to sit there and build up an environment. Just circulating, letting all the good stuff just kind of be built up. All those, all those cultures, all those uh, the, the healthy bacteria, all that kind of stuff. It's got to be built up. 
And then slowly you keep introducing new things into the environment so that the environment isn't hindered or disrupted. It's like having a garden and cultivating. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so my point is, is that once you build up this environment in your heart, look at me, once you build this environment in your heart and you pray in the Holy Spirit and you're walking in the Spirit, you've got to protect that, that environment. You've got to keep yourself there in the love of God. That's all. It, look, look. On one hand, what can remove us from the love of God? Nothing, right? On the other hand, it's an imperative that you keep yourself in the love of God. In other words, protecting that environment where I experience the love of God. Now, we can get into what we're going to protect it from. But the number one thing you got to protect your environment from is Y-O-U. Because we always want to tell you, oh, somebody else disrupted my peace. No, 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 no. Y-O-U is the number one disruptor of your peace. Somebody say amen. Your environment. Okay? This is why I'm an advocate for not spending a whole lot of time watching the news. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. So you keep yourself unharmed, undisturbed. You built that culture. You built that fish tank, that saltwater tank. And you've got it right. Look at me. This is, this is about that saltwater tank. Uh, you know, you've got to keep a heater in there because saltwater fish, like in the ocean, it's got to be like 80-something degrees, right? Your power goes out in the middle of February in South Arkansas, and that thing drops 5 degrees, 10 degrees, 5 degrees. Everything, you basically start all over. Fish start dying. Why? Because that, that environment's got to be maintained. It's almost like you shouldn't get too, it's almost like if you're hot or cold, if you're fluctuating, right? If you're moved by every wind of doctrine, it's almost like if you're hot on fire for God and all of a sudden you go through a cold snap. See what I'm saying? So it's the idea that you got to keep that, you got to maintain that temperature. That's what spiritual maturity is. Look at me. Spiritual maturity is being able to burn for God and keep burning for God. Somebody say amen. Okay, number four. I think I don't know what number one anymore. Five, seven, five. Number four, looking forward. Everybody say look forward. Keep yourself in the love of God looking forward to looking forward Waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm waiting. I'm looking forward for God to come. This is not escapism. Escapism is the idea that I don't want to keep myself. I just want to get out of, out of here and go up there with God. But, but if you kept yourself in the love of God, you got yourself built up. But, man, I'm still looking for him. I'm, I'm longing for his appearing. Somebody say Amen. Is there anybody possibly in the last days that are longing for the appearing of the Lord? <laughs> okay. Okay. And people want to give this hard time and say, well, no, no, to, to look for the longing of the appearing of the Lord is like just wanting to. No, no. Listen to me. Listen to me. It is perfectly right if your heart is built up in faith and you've kept yourself in the love of God to look for his appearing. Matter of fact, it's one of the ways you keep yourself in the love of God by waiting anxiously for them. It's indicative of the last phrase before it. They build on top of one another. So now, one of the hardest things for the church to do right now 
is to keep in an anticipation in our hearts for his return. We're getting, how many are getting uh, frustrated by the fact that it just seems like we're just in this revolving cycle of pain and misery? No, your heart's got to be anticipating him. Amen? All right, verse 22. Verse 22. Now, look at me. Once I have built myself up, prayed in the Holy Spirit, once I have um, kept myself in the love of God, and I'm looking for his return, and I'm, I'm, I'm eagerly awaiting Look at me. If I'm eagerly awaiting for him to come and I'm built up in my faith, mercy comes more natural now. Y'all out there? Mercy's hard when you're not in the spirit. Mercy's not near as hard when you're in the spirit. If you are of the mind that the Lord is coming soon, it's not real hard for me to look at somebody who's lost and say, man, I want you to be ready. I hope you have mercy. But if you don't care, right? If you don't care the Lord is coming soon, then you then you can be angry. You can be you can you can be angry at a person who's sinning and go, it you know, whatever happens, happens. You deserve everything you get, right? You see what I'm saying? But if I'm in the spirit, if I've kept myself in the, in the love of God, if you're in love, mercy's not that hard. Right? So have mercy on some. And I know the first thing in your mind, well, he didn't say all. <laughs> have mercy. Everybody say have mercy. I believe this is the second, um, the second time mercy has been mentioned. Have mercy on some who are doubting. Not everybody is walking perfectly right now. Somebody say amen. Not every, I'm talking about Christians. Not everybody is full of faith. Some people are doubting right now. What is our biblical response to those guys? Mercy. Once we've been built up, then we can help others be built up in their faith, right? Have mercy on somebody. If you're in the room right now and you're having problems and you're there's doubt in your heart and you're, and you're struggling, what you need is somebody else who's built up to come alongside of you and help you be built up and not judge you and say, man, you're not doing it right. It's, it's really quiet in here today. Have mercy. Everybody say mercy. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Raise your hand if you've ever received mercy from God. Lots of it. What kind of person, look at me, what kind of person can receive mercy from God but can't give God's mercy to others? Right? Right? Verse 23, save others. Once, look at me, once you've been built up, and once you get in this place where you're built up, you're praying, you're walking in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, I've got my eyes fixed on the prize, Jesus Christ. I've got, I've got, I've got, I've kept myself in the love of God. My heart is full of mercy. I'm waiting for his return. Like, once you get to all these things, then at some point, look at me, at some point the focus gets off of me onto others. Everybody say amen. 
the job of the church is to snatch others from the fire. To come to the armory, be built up, and then go snatch others from the fire. That word snatch, I love that word. Listen to what it means. To seize or grab a hold of by force. Part of our clergy, part of our evangelism strategy has been trying to just like very much coddle people into the kingdom. And the Bible's saying here, you gotta go grab a hold of somebody. You gotta go seize them in the spirit. Now, don't, don't try this unless you're walking in the Holy Ghost, amen? But you go, but you gotta go grab a hold of somebody. And listen to what this word means. It means it means grab a hold. It means um, seized by force with the purpose of removing or controlling. I mean, in other words, I'm going to go grab you, and you're coming with me into the kingdom. you out there. Think about this. When Chad is like three or whatever, and we're trying to go somewhere, and we're crossing the street, and he starts going on ahead of me, and a bus is coming, I'm not going to be like, Chad, come to the kingdom. Jesus loves you. He wants you right now. Please come this way, buddy. Smack. Right? That's bad parenting. That's terrible parenting. Buddy, come here, buddy. Crap, right? No, I'm going to snatch him. Right out of it, I'm going to pull him off of his feet. I'm going to grab a hold of him and snatch him out of hellfire, the bus. I'm going to say, you're with me. Stay here. This, let's keep you coming with me to keep ourselves in the love of God. Amen? So some of y'all need that snatch anointing. Lift your hands right now. We're going to pray for the snatch anointing. Some of y'all need to, I mean, but seriously, some of y'all need to, in the spirit realm for sure, grab a hold of somebody and do not let go. Amen. Seize them in the spirit realm and say, no, you are with me. Are y'all out there? Yeah. We're so afraid of offending the culture. Well, I'm afraid of if I say this, it's going to offend them. When really the Bible said you got to grab a hold of them and then snatch them out of the fire. Like, I, I'm not worried about Chad's little feelings when he's walking out there in front of the bus. Yeah. I'm saying, no, buddy, your life is going to end if I don't snatch. If, 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 see, see, I've got my eyes on the idea that Christ is coming and I need to snatch you now. Their time is growing shorter. So I'm not trying to offend you, but I'm not also trying not to offend you because the gospel is offensive. But say I'm going to snatch you, and then you're going to get you're going to get your you're going to get your feet planted in in the right way. That makes sense. I'm going to snatch you. Everybody say snatch somebody. I if, if if y'all come to church next week and I go to Walmart and I snatch some fella, Amen. Praise God. <laughs> snatch them out of the fire. But see, here's our problem. Look at me. Look at me right here. Our problem isn't the snatching part. Our problem is we're so out of the spirit and in the flesh, we don't see them as in fire. We've forgotten about that part. We just see people who are rebellious and turning against all God's ways. We don't, we don't understand that they are in the fire. Our hearts aren't merciful to those who are standing in the fire because we don't even think about the fire for them. We're just hoping they don't bother us too much. 
I need snatched. Once you've done all that, have more mercy. <laughs> Third time. Everybody say mercy, mercy, mercy. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Mercy, mercy, mercy. I think there's a theme here. Everybody say mercy. mercy. Raise your hand if you would consider yourself a merciful person. Patty <laughs> just said sometimes. When she's in the spirit, she is, right? I didn't put my hands up. I'm not naturally disposed to mercy. I'm naturally disposed to get your stuff together. I said that in the most PG way possible. <laughs> Amen? Mercy is not my, my predis- predisposition. The flesh is my predisposition. But I'm telling you, every person who puts themselves in the love of God and keeps themselves there, mercy kind of flows naturally. Why? Because God is mercy. He's love. He's merciful. And his mercy will flow through us. Everybody say amen. And so the idea is if, if you're not being merciful, it's, it's indicative you haven't done the steps previous. Amen? So mercy, mercy, mercy. Save others, snatch them out of the fire, and on some have mercy, but this time mercy is with fear. I really think this means it's not necessarily fear for me. Everything is it's fear for them. I'm afraid what happens to you if mercy doesn't come and touch your life. Amen? And so my heart moved with mercy from the place of fear is that I'm going to touch them. And I'm going to go snatch them. And then once I've done all that, then we can get to a legitimate, even spiritual idea. And that idea is righteous indignation or even hatred for the things God hates. Does God hate things? Yes, he does. Absolutely. We pretend like he doesn't. We pretend like he's okay with everything. That's not true. Anybody tells you that God doesn't hate is lying. Anybody tells you that hell's not real is a liar. Amen? Hell is real. God hates some things, okay? And it's okay to hate what God's hate, but it's okay to hate what God hates after I've gone through the steps to make myself more like God. Built myself up, prayed in the Holy Ghost, Kept myself in the love of God, waiting patiently for his return, having mercy, snatching people out of the fire, having more mercy, and then I can look at the garment and go, that right there disgusts me. And if it doesn't disgust you, you need to go get, (laughs) you need to go get back into the build yourself up phase, right? And matter of fact, part of the problem with the church today is that we're not disgusted by the things God's disgusted with. This concept of hating the garment polluted by the flesh is very much the same concept of the leper. The Old Testament law would tell you that when the leper got cleansed, you would take their garment. You'd burn it and get rid of it so that no trace was left. Why? Because the disease would run rampantly through the society if we didn't hate it and deal with it that way. Y'all hear what I'm saying to you? The, the object was never to hate the leopard, but to hate leprosy. 
and to deal ruthlessly with the leprosy so that it would save the, the society. The moment we begin to mistake, I, this morning as I was, I was in the shower, you know, God speaks to me in the shower, right? And I'm in the shower and I'm praying and the Holy Spirit's talking to me. And it was the idea that love is what? Pure. Right? Is love pure? And what we, the mistake we make is we, we can fit love into impure situations. So, look at me. And I'm not, I'm, this is the type of sermon that if I preach in a few years, I'll probably get, uh, you know, Probably get whatever, canceled or whatever they do these days, right? But I'm just going ahead and say it now while I still can, okay? Okay, so here's the thing. Most, uh, if, if, if Missy, being such a really bad person as she is, she's the only person I can make this analogy with and feel okay that y'all understand I'm talking facetiously, Right? And she ran out there, and she met some feller on Facebook, right? And she got her little Facebook friend, you know what I'm saying? Facebook friend, okay? And they, they were, like, really, really, really friendly. And, um, and one day I catch her talking to her Facebook friend and saying stuff that she shouldn't be saying to people who wasn't her husband, right? And I said to her, um, excuse me, what's going on? I can't help it. I'm in love. There's the first problem. That's not love. Why is it not love? Because it's not pure. The idea that the heart wants what the heart wants is a farce. The heart is deceitful and wicked, and we don't even know it most times, right? Love is, what is love? Patient, kind, pure, right? Love is all these attributes that God is because God is love. The problem we're doing is we're calling things that aren't God-like love and we're giving, we're giving some validity to things that aren't right because we're calling it love and it's not love. Love is pure. So what, what that matters in your life, what that matters in your life is that the idea that you can sympathize with, let's say, an adulterous relationship or homosexual relationship and say they're in love and it's not love. It's not love. It's a perversion. It's a counterfeit of the real thing that may disguise itself in love. But love is pure. Love is right. Love is holy. Love is God. I can have mercy on that, and I can, I can love them. But I'm not going to give, I'm not going to say what you are experiencing is, is love because it's not pure. Does that make sense? And so, so the idea is I hate the garment that this sin is polluting. I love you. I hate the garment, and I want to do with the garment what should be done, which is taken out of the city and burned. Not the person, the garment. And burn it up till there's no trace left of it in my family. So it cannot do any more harm to my family. Because if I don't deal with with the garment, it continues to spread its disease in my family. We can talk about generational curses. We can talk about all that stuff. You see what I'm saying? We can talk about a society that once they begin to accept an idea as a truth, it begins to spread through that society like, like leprosy. You think, well, Chester, I'm not sure that's in the Bible. It's the same concept of leaven in bread, right? Sin is like leaven, and if you don't get the leaven out, it spreads and spreads and spreads and spreads and spreads. But to say all that, 
I'm not going to put myself in a position to be hating unless I've done walked all the other six steps. Amen? So when you see something that's disrupting your family or your, in your town or your city or your home or your nation, first step is, we talked about this this morning, go get your heart right with God. And build yourself up in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Spirit. Get some mercy. Get, keep yourself in the love of God. Get some mercy. Get, uh, look for His return. Like, get yourself in line with heaven and then go hate righteously the things that need to be hated. Amen? Amen? The final two verses and I'm done. Oh, man, I got 20,000 minutes left, or 25 at least. Okay, I'm not done. Yes, I am. I'm pretty much done. Two more verses. Because y'all want to beat the rain home, right? Too late? Is it raining out there? Oh, cool. Well, then we're not in a hurry at all, are we? No. I said, Jude, I meant judges. Everybody turn. I'm talking. Okay. So, next two verses. Say the first three words. Got him. See, the last set of section was you. This set of section, in other words, this is what you do. Now, this is what he does. To him who is able, how able is he? Oh, yeah, he's able. Like, take it to the bank, man. To him who is able to keep you. Go back to verse 17. You, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by apostles, verse 18. That they were saying to you, in the last days, they're going to be mockers. Okay, In that time of mockers and in that time of ungodly lust, verse 19. In that time where there's divisions and worldly mindedness and there's devoid of the Spirit. Go to verse 20, whatever, 3, 4. Now to him, in that time... He is able to keep you from stumbling. Are y'all out there this morning? I'm telling you about, uh, he will, as the psalm said, make your feet as hinds feet and set your foot upon a rock where you can't stumble. That's what God can do. He will, he, uh, uh, the steps of the righteous man are ordered by the Lord. He will keep you from tripping over some stuff. Amen? So in that time, those last days, as crazy and jacked up as the world is, God is able to keep you from stumbling. And not only will he keep you from stumbling, whoo, he can make you stand. Where? Now look, all around you is hell on earth. All around you is dysfunction and craziness and deception and lies and hurt and pain. And all around you is just everything that's broken. But I'm telling you, in that place, that, and, it, and that's the horizontal, in that, pla- yeah, in that place, he can make you stand in the presence of his glory. Where's that? Where there's blameless, see, the rest of it's uh, polluted, but if I stand in his glory, it's blameless. The rest of it's dirty, in his glory is pure. 
Verse, next verse. With great, everybody say joy. joy. Everybody say joy. joy. Mercy and joy always go together. Y'all didn't catch that when that was a big one. That was a ooh moment. Mercy and joy always go together. Judgment and sorrow always go together. Judgment and just like the sense of depression, they always go together. Depression is actually, is, is, is on some level, you judge yourself so hardly you can't be happy. But see, mercy and joy always go together. Amen? Through God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, the glory, the majesty, the dominion, the authority. Y'all out there? This isn't language of being uh, overcome. This is language of, of the overcomers. So you do those things, and he does these. And they seem, you know, it's not fair, God. I'm doing seven things. You're doing two. You do those things, and what's he do? Uh, he just makes you where you can't fall down and where you stand in this, in this environment that's totally 100% opposite of what you're living in. And you have authority and you have dominion, you have power because he, through the God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty and dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. He puts you in this dimension, this dimension of time where you stand in his presence that's outside the dimension of time you're living in right now. In your heart, you may be physically present here, but in the spirit, you're standing with God. Somebody say Amen. That's what we do. So, Chester, what's the practical thing I'm supposed to go home and do? You said there was something real practical. Yes, go home and pray in the Holy Ghost and get yourself built up. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. I mean, didn't, don't you have a book you can recommend me? Oh, I do, actually. Go home and read your Bible. Build this environment in your house, in your home, in your heart. Then keep it. Maintain it. Protect it. Not from others. From this thing right here. Protect that environment. When doubt starts coming in, because right, it's build yourself in faith. When doubt starts coming in, go back to praying to push that doubt back out so that faith can arise. Keep that environment. Get your heart set on Jesus and his return. Have mercy on everybody you run into. Snatch some people. Church of the Army of Snatchers. Have more mercy. Hate the garment. Stand in his presence. So what we're going to do right now, because we've got plenty of time. This was planned. This was not an addendum. We're going to do something very real with this sermon right now. We just, we just celebrated uh, July 4th, Independence Day. And we're going to take a moment. We're going to pray for America. What's our prayer? I can tell you my prayer right now. God have mercy. Is that your prayer? Mercy. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Hannah, would you go up there and play on the keyboard? I want you to, I want you to pray that God's mercy would touch our land.
touch America. I want you to ask God to save people. Look at me. Every person in this nation who's doing stuff that's destructive to our society is is dangling over hellfire. See the person over hellfire. Don't see the person screaming in your face. Y'all out there this morning? Mercy of God and save. And I want us to spend about five or ten minutes right here. And I want you to, if you want to turn around and kneel and stand on your seat, if you want to bend over and just put your head in your face, I want you to get along with God right now. And I want us to, and, and y'all, I want you to pray for mercy in America. In your family, in your in this, in El Dorado, I don't care. But America in general, I want to pray that the mercy of God touch this place. I hear a lot of people saying that judgment is coming to America, and that may absolutely be true. But my prayer is that God, I'm going to pray for mercy until judgment takes its final toll. So right now, this is real simple. God have mercy. God have mercy. God have mercy. God have mercy. So, Father God, we pray this morning that we would experience the mercy of God. On this nation, God, pour out your mercy. 
Lord, it may be the right thing. It may be just to pour out wrath, but God, we're asking you to pour out mercy. Maybe, maybe even the thing to pour out judgment. God, we're praying that you would pour out mercy. God, you haven't run out of mercy, for we know that your mercy is new every day. So God, we pray for mercy in this country. We pray for mercy over our children. God, over these kids, God, that are growing up in a world we never grew up in. We pray that the mercy of God would keep them. God, we pray for mercy upon every church, upon every family. God, we pray for mercy on the lost, those who are completely deceived right now and lost in sin and their eyes are blinded. And God, those who are hanging and dangling over hellfire, God, we pray that the mercy of God would meet them the way, it, the same way it met Saul on a road to Damascus, God, and turned him into a great man and woman of God. I pray, God, that you'd move in our country in mercy. God, I pray that mercy would flood our own hearts that we know, God, that you desire mercy. You desire mercy, God, that you've given us a ministry according to Paul of reconciliation, not counting one's sins against them, but God, bringing peace between God and man. God, that you've given us ministry to build a bridge between man and God, and that the mercy of Christ would flood this nation once again, that America would see the light of the gospel, and that her heart would turn again to Jesus Christ, and she would uh, she would call him Lord, and that the torch that Lady Liberty holds up would be a light of the gospel and not a light of, 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 of deception, Jesus. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that mercy would flood this country. God, I pray over our leaders, whether they're good or bad or whether we even know anything or not, or whether they're good or bad. God, the, the, I just pray for mercy over them all. God, I pray for mercy from the highest office to the land to the person who was just born right now. That every man, woman, and child, God, would experience the mercy of God. Lots of people think we need lots of things, God. We need mercy. So Lord, we pray right now that you would have your mercy on our land, on the people. blessing from heaven do we need we need mercy God so may mercy 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 invade our hearts in Jesus name and everybody in agreement said amen stand up on your feet hallelujah so thankful you came today